just because you're part of the crowd doesn't mean you're really following Christ. And that's true of a Sunday morning. And just because a person comes to church doesn't mean they're actually believing in Jesus Christ. They might be curious about it. They might be investigating. They might have something else going on in their life. They might be in a position like these people they are hungry so they know that Jesus Christ can feed them or they've seen signs and they know that Jesus Christ can do certain things. So they're there to get something fixed or help with something. But are they really wanting to believe in Jesus Christ? You know, just the amazingness of that, of that God used these simple fishermen to do amazing things, you know, in that uh, early time. This is the Way to Go podcast, and we are about faith, family, and daily life. We're about taking God's word, breaking it down, making it practical to everyday living. Now, if you want to watch the show, you can actually go to Eagleville Bible Church. Just go to YouTube, type in Eagleville Bible Church. You will find it on the Way to Go playlist. But again, faith, family, and daily life. This is what we're all about. Welcome to the Way to Go podcast. I'm Bill McMinn. Along with me is Pastor Adam from Eagleville Bible Church, and we've been talking about John chapter 6. And a couple things that started out, by the way, I look out the window and the sun is shining, and we had the kitchen windows open today, and it almost felt chilly. And I think, how nice. Oh, yeah. How nice that it doesn't feel smoking hot and humid <laughs> out for the first day. I thought, I might need to wear a flannel shirt today later on. That would be, like, so awesome. And also another thing, too, is we start out just praying for people. I've heard of more people with COVID yeah. and nothing like the fall spike, but certainly – you know, to be in, remember to be in prayer for people and yeah, uh, for sure. prayer for the country and all these things. But with Jesus Christ, uh, the one thing that I noted in uh, John chapter 6, and it opens up, and he had crossed over the Sea of Galilee. And I thought it was interesting because there has to be a space and time between the chapter prior, because chapter prior, he was at the pool of Bethesda, right? Bethsaida. Yeah. And he was there, and that was he had come to Jerusalem for a feast, now, the Sea of Galilee is up in a, you know, there's one is in Judea, and then there's uh, Galilee, the Sea of Galilee is up there, so he must have headed north, and then he crosses over the sea, and large crowds of people are following him because they've seen the miracles, and I'm sure they've heard about what he did, because oh, a lot of sure. people come in for the feast, so there's people from all over to see what he did, so they're following him, and he sees that they're hungry, and it said that a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs that he had performed, and he was healing the sick, so obviously... He had that kind of reputation. Yeah, I mean, from what I've looked at, it's about six months between John five and six. I mean, and they're they're coming up there and uh, they're wanting to see miracles. They right. want to see signs from this guy, right. wanting to see something amazing happen. And Jesus uh, doesn't uh, doesn't disappoint. No, when it comes he's to this. Do, he's going to do the miracles. Well, it's interesting to me too. Like there now, he's talking to this crowd of people. There's going to be a time by the end of this chapter where a lot of the people, because of the things that he says, because he feeds people with bread, yeah, they keep following him. He changes location. They follow him. He says, I'm the bread of life. Whoever eats my flesh, drinks my blood, will have eternal life. Now, he's talking about spiritually, just believing in him. And a lot of people were walking away at that time. Yeah. So the people that are in as part of this crowd right now, will indeed walk away from him later on to the point that Jesus is going to say, will you leave me too, yeah. to the 12 disciples? In which case they'll say, who are we else are we going to go to as the words of eternal life? So they're going to stick with Jesus Christ. But just because you're part of the crowd 
doesn't mean you're really following Christ. And that's true of a Sunday morning. And just because a person comes to church doesn't mean they're actually believing in Jesus Christ. They might be curious about it. They might be investigating. They might have something else going on in their life. They might be in a position like these people. They're hungry, so they know that Jesus Christ can feed them, or they've seen signs, and they know that Jesus Christ can do certain things. So they're there to get something fixed or help with something. But are they really wanting to believe in Jesus Christ in who he really is? Yeah, I think a lot of people are are fans of Jesus, you know, of, you know, Jesus is an awesome guy. He does great things. He's a good prophet. Um, but really to be a follower and pick up your cross and follow me, as he talks about later, that is a whole nother ballgame to right. be into that and to say, you know, I'm willing to follow you like the disciples were, you know, and we trust you that you're going to provide food and, and lodging and all, all kinds of other stuff. I think the Jewish people at this time, I think they're kind of looking for a new Moses, someone to deliver them, someone to help them as they're coming in towards this Passover feast. And we see, I think it's really interesting that it's about a year before the crucifixion is kind of when all this is coming together as they come together for this uh, Passover feast. Right, so then the next, the next Passover, he'd be hanging on a cross. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, that makes sense. So they were looking to, you know, for what they could get out of Jesus. And that that's kind of how they, what can I get out of him? Which I don't know that I should look at Jesus Christ for what I can get out of Jesus Christ. I think I should look at Jesus Christ because he's eternal life. I mean, that's who I believe in and you want to follow him. It's not just about, hey, God, I'm here. Let me tell you what you can do for me today. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, I'm not, not quite that way. But I do love how he does feed the crowds and he get, kind of tells his disciples, hey, you know, how are we going to get bread for them? And one says, well, we couldn't, if you had 200 days worth of wages, we couldn't have enough bread to feed these people. And he was kind of giving them a test. And they said, well, we do have, here's a boy in verse nine with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? And this is really one of my favorite stories because Jesus Christ takes five loaves Two fish feeds at least five thousand men. There are other you have to assume there's women here, there's children here. Yeah. He feeds thou literally thousands of people with five loaves and two fish. It's <laughs> extraordinary. I like how he tells uh, Philip to go and buy food, and it's kind of this idea that Bethsaida. Um, I imagine it to be like the size of Rock Creek. And right. so we're going to feed 10,000 people with as much food as at the Dollar General, right. you know, or at Cantini's or, or whatever. Um, so I think it's 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 a kind of a test of faith for Philip of can God do the impossible? Do you trust him enough right. to make this happen? Right. And it, they kind of stand there in awe. And I like how, uh, I believe it's Andrew gets out there and he goes and tries to find food in the crowd. And they just right. find this little boy's lunch right. and uh, something amazing happens well it does and one thing i love about jesus christ says in verse 11 jesus then took the loaves so he's five loaves right he gave thanks he distributed it to those who were seated as much as they wanted he did the same with the fish so he starts breaking the stuff apart and he starts passing it out now this is still a lot of work for jesus christ because as he breaks it and it keeps multiplying <laughs> he still has to keep doing it until yeah. you know and same with the disciples they're still passing enough out for thousands of people so i think that's extraordinary but he gave thanks for what he had. And sometimes we fail to do that. Like the yeah. start of this miracle is taking a little bit and being thankful for what you have and understanding that God can make more of what you have than you really think is possible. Maybe he can stretch that dollar further. Mm -hmm. Maybe he can take your talent that you think is bigger and really impact somebody's life with it. So instead of thinking, wow, I don't really have enough. Look at all the more I need. Just say, well, what do I have? Let's yeah. just start there. 
Well, the miracle starts with what do I have? And then putting that at God's disposal. I think that's a good point. And the idea that I think leads to depression is what can I get, you know, and what is wrong with society? And it's even that idea of coming to church and saying, what can I get out of this? I've heard right. a lot of people say like, well, I wasn't being fed or I wasn't getting this, but what are you putting into it? Right. And we talked about, you know, serving on different teams, you know, at the church. And when you're thinking about other people and being grateful for what you have, your perspective isn't on yourself. It's on other people. Right. And I think you begin to feel that thankfulness, that gratefulness of the good things that are actually going on in society. It's really, I think, a perspective switch that we need. Right. Or even if there aren't good things going on in society, still being happy for the little things that we have, no matter what. But I, I really do appreciate the thankfulness and mm-hmm. gratitude of his heart. And it says, when they all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. And Jesus Christ can make more of what we have than what we think. He can. And there's so many times when I've thought of myself as just five loaves and two fish or a sermon that I was about to preach. Lord, this is my five loaves and two fish. Make more of it than what it is. Or a podcast like this or anything that we give to the Lord. It's five loaves and two fish all the time. You know, I, yeah. this is a thought. Lord, just make more of it than what it is. I don't think it's much. I don't think it's enough. Mm-hmm. But Lord, you can take it and make more of it than what it really is. And so that to me is ex- really significant that God can take you as, as little as a person may think they are, as insignificant as they may think their talents may are. God can take that and make more of it than what you think. And I think right? it's I think it's really interesting when you know, it says they got more than they even needed and they gathered all that extra stuff right. up of how much did it, Philip's faith grow at that point, seeing the impossible happen. And even with Andrew, just getting that one boy's lunch and seeing that expand, you know, to basically, it says 5,000 men, but like 10,000 people total with, you know, uh, women and children, you know, just the amazingness of that, of that God used these simple fishermen to do amazing things, you know, in that, uh, that early time. Well, I think that in this day, I mean, he still is. I mean, he's taking simple people, simple people like us, mm-hmm. just takes and he can use you. And I always appreciate it. If God can use me to do something to help somebody else, that's a great thing. Because what better thing could there have been for that lunch that that boy had, his five loaves and two fish? What greater use was there than to take it and feed thousands? Yeah. Really. And you think about the little things we have, what better use is there really than to put ourselves at the disposal of Christ? And I think that's where you, where you have to start with it to say, well, hey, Christ, you know, here I am, mm-hmm. just use me. Here's what I have, just use it. And you at least put it at his disposal yeah. and allow him to do something with it. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, you don't always know which way it's going to go either. I'm sure that little boy, when they came asking about his lunch, wasn't thinking about this, <laughs> right? I was no. not really on the radar of what he's going to do. And I think, too, that what seemed like so little was more than enough. And there are times where, like, oh, man, I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to be able to do it. But, yet, yeah, it's more than enough. You have more than enough. With God adding into it, you have more than enough. It's going to go further than you think. So don't panic. I don't think there's ever a reason for us to be panicked as Christians. What do you think? Yeah, I, th- I think I think we're, you're right on that. Of 
This is a very t easy time in society with everything that's going on to find the bad things that are happening and feeling where is God in all of this. And I think as you look at it and as you begin to see, you know, being a part of church, being in church, I think is so important and seeing God working and seeing people come to know him and seeing people being set free from addictions and marriages healed, you know, and all, all of these different kinds of things. I mean, you can see God at work, but you have to look for it. You know, and I think that's one of the the awesome things about him is he is still working in and through today. Um, sometimes we just need to turn off the TV right. and to you know go to church or read our Bible to see what God's going to do in and through us. Well, I think too. I mean, it's not just television. I think it's your phone. I think it's uh, no, yeah. There's a a lot of distractions in our society. We have busy minds and we like to keep ourselves occupied. And sometimes when you think of verses like "Be still and know that I am God," how how often or how seldomly are we actually still like still enough to even give god a chance to yeah hey bill or hey adam i got something i wanted to say but you never have time to listen it's kind of like if you're trying to talk to somebody and catch them and they never time never have time to talk to you because they're always doing this that and the other thing and so well man i got things i want to say but i can't say it because you never stand still long enough because your life's so chaotic because there's so many things going on where you know, we want to be able to just let God speak, right? Yeah. And let God show us things and be still. And he is there, like you said. Now, the next thing they do is after this, Jesus Christ, he's going to dismiss the crowds. He's going to go on. The disciples go without Jesus. So in other versions, I believe he stays and prays. And then he goes and walks on the water. So that was a that was an interesting story. But there's a lot of waves that are, are blowing around. So they're yeah. out there at night. They're rowing. It says the seas grew rough because of the wind. And as a kayaker and as a photographer around Lake Erie, I can tell you the wind wreaks havoc on the water. Oh, yeah. And whether it creates swells, which I'd much rather swells than waves, but when you're getting a lot of waves or you have to paddle into the wind, it's tough. These guys have been paddling for hours. They got three or four miles. Yeah. I can get three or four miles in an hour. You know what I'm saying? These guys have been for a lot longer than this, and they're rowing and rowing and rowing. And I feel for them because I know what it is to be out there on the waves. I know what it is to paddle in it and paddle the wind, just a strong, stiff wind straight in your face. And the whole time you're trying to paddle against it, and it, it slows you down. And it, for my wife, it's almost like, exhausting you know yeah when she's trying to paddle she hates it when we come around an island or we're somebody we were in uh saranac lake and we we're i think it was called the the lower saranac at this point and we came we started coming across around this corner of geography and we're going to now head north again man wind is like dead dead straight in our face she did not like it yeah she did not like it at all and so i was i to me i it's not my favorite thing, you know, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. I don't really care about the wind as much as I do about that water. Yeah. When that water starts to get rough and you have a little water starting to come in the sides and it's splashing over the front of your kayak and you start realizing, man, I'm not careful here. This, this could be a flip coming. You know what I'm yeah. saying? I'm going to be outside of my kayak trying to scramble to get back in to my kayak. So you think about it. And so yeah. for these guys and what they're going through right now, I fuel for them because, yeah, Jesus Christ isn't there. 
but they see him walking on the water. Now, it doesn't in John, it doesn't really talk about Peter getting out of the boat and walking yeah. on the water with him. It just says they happily took him into the boat. And that's mm -hmm. where this, and as soon as they did, they were right where they needed to be. And well, there's some lessons learned right there. As soon as they took him to the yeah. boat, they're where they need to be. <laughs> well, I think it's, it's interesting. Um, a couple of things that amazed me is uh, just looking back a little bit at verse 15 is that he was at the height of his popularity. They wanted to bring him in as the king and he dismisses them people right. and the disciples go and he goes into prayer. And it's just right. I, how important prayer is. And these guys are out there at, you know, three or four in the morning, exhausted. Um, and Jesus walks out to him. I mean, Jesus isn't floating on a log. He's not right. on a sandbar. Like he's walking in the, in the middle of the night. And just to think how intense that is and scary that is for them of, you know, almost flipping, you know, being in that cold, you know, wet situation in the middle of the night, can't see anything completely dark. And I think it's really interesting that he says, in, I think in verse 20, it is I to them. And when you take that literally, he's basically telling him, I am. Right. And that's a famous phrase as we see in the New Testament, as he calls himself, I am. And as God, the father called himself, I am to Moses right. of just, he is, you know, declaring to them his deity, that he right. is God incarnate and just how amazing it is. And that after kind of all this is all packaged up and it's done of him walking on the water, they don't really go and tell a bunch of people. This is a sign for the disciples to go, yeah, this is the Messiah. This is the Savior. This is the I am, and we're going to follow him, right. you know, no matter what. So I think that's, that's pretty cool. It's almost, you know, a package deal for them. We think about in our, our culture today, people still try to create uh, images like photographs where it looks like you're walking on water. Yeah. I've seen guys do it on where they're on like those uh, – I don't know that they call them like the surf kites or that's not the right word for it, but they'll be up there on the sails and they'll have like a, a board underneath them. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So not quite a surfboard, but they're like, they're skiing on it. And this one guy came down. I don't think he was skiing. Actually, he came down on with the parachute thing and he walks, he goes like he's walking on the water and he's filming it as he does it. And it looked cool and he needs a sail to do it. Yeah. You have people that will use reflections to make it look like they're walking on the water but they're not. And then Jesus did it. Like Jesus yeah. actually, no, he's walking on the water, in the wind, in the waves. It's up, down one wave, and down another, and up one wave. It's, it's like the, yeah. the most amazing thing. And actually, it was, in other accounts, it was like he was walking past them. Like he was catching right up to them, and he was mm -hmm. actually making more progress than they were, which I think is pretty <laughs> funny too. But when Jesus Christ is with them, they're there. And I believe there's a lesson to be learned here, and that is life is harder without Jesus. So when Jesus is in the boat, all that struggle, all their labor, and they felt like they probably weren't really getting anywhere quick, yeah. and they included Jesus Christ back in the boat, and they were right where they needed to be. And sometimes we struggle a lot because we don't include God in our plans because we don't just come to him in prayer. We mm -hmm. don't seek him out, and we're going to struggle, and we're going to struggle, and we're going to struggle. And then include him in, and things go smoother and better, and you wonder, why didn't I do this a long time ago? Yeah. Right? Oh, exactly. So as they came out too, now after this, they still are seeking Jesus Christ, and they want to find him because they know that Jesus Christ can help. So here's Jesus Christ. He has the whole crowd. He leaves and goes to another area. They figure out where he's going. They get their <laughs> caravan of boats and stuff like that. They're still pursuing him because they know that he can help them. And that's how amazing Jesus Christ really is. I mean, you mm -hmm. can't lose sight of the fact that the people in the real day – in which Jesus Christ lived, 
were flocking to him yeah. because they knew he helped. And hopefully people will flock to church because they know the church is a place they can find help too. Yeah, I mean, in the simplest simplicity of it is, is that was their next free meal. You know, is he was their meal ticket wherever Jesus was going to be, and it's it's pretty interesting. I mean, they didn't have social media; it wasn't on Facebook or Instagram that they were, you know, tagging. You know, I'm in Capernaum now, right? And I see Jesus. Like they had to figure out where this guy went, and the, they saw the disciples leaving on a boat, and where's Jesus? They thought he was probably, you know, still back at where he was, but no, he's in Capernaum, um, doing something else there, and it and they follow him there and and see what's going to happen. And I got news for you. It would be impossible to see a person walking across water. Yeah. That's a fact. Once it's dark out there, you don't yeah, see. I've been, I morning. was just out there yeah. last week. I was out there kayaking at night. And it's amazing how difficult it is, even with lights, even seeing boats that are right in front of you. We went down to the lift bridge with all those lights in your eyes. I was having a difficult time even seeing lit up boats in front of me because yeah. they blended in with all the lights. Once you get out and it's even getting dusky, it's extremely difficult to see, even if you're with a group of people, if I was with my wife, it would be easy to lose sight of her if I wasn't sure what direction she went yeah. because it's harder to see. Mm. At night, it would be hard to see. There's no way they could have known at night where these guys were going. Like you said, they're going to have to figure it out because pitch black dark, they could, have, they could have ended up at any shore, really. So they had to figure it out. Maybe they heard word of mouth. Some runner comes back, hey, we just saw them over here. And they finally figured it out. Word gets out, and they go find Jesus Christ. But we'll continue this conversation about John chapter 6 in our next podcast. We appreciate you turning in, or tuning in, I should say. Have an awesome and a blessed week. <laughs>